Well, hello. Man, it's good to see people again. So, yeah, it's awesome. Good morning to you. It's, um, uh, man, it's just a a fun thing for us to be able to kind of have church in a gathering together. Thanks for coming. Thanks for wearing masks and being safe and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, Thanks for persevering as people of faith in a really kind of tough time. And, um, yeah, we're just thrilled to death. And I wanted to begin today with at least a little bit of good news. Anybody use some good news about now? Yeah? Okay. Well, don't get your hopes up because here's what it is. Tomorrow is actually step in a puddle and splash your friend day. I am not making that up. That's a true thing. Step in, I don't know why it's in January. That seems like the wrong month to have that, right? Like they'd be frozen or something. But I, I don't know if you did this as a kid, but maybe, maybe you did. Remember as a kid when you'd get in trouble for, you know, accidentally stepping in a mud puddle or purposely jumping into a mud puddle, you know? And you'd really get in trouble if you did it to splash a friend or a family member. So how many of you would say you've ever splashed somebody in a mud puddle before? Okay, that's all of you, strangely. Now, if, if that was you growing up, if, if you know, you're excited about that, then tomorrow is your day. Your time has come. Tomorrow, just take a flamboyant hop into a mud puddle somewhere and splash a friend. Now, if you've forgotten how to do that, the internet at checkaday.com has given you some instructions. So if you want to take some notes, feel free to do that this morning. Here we go. Celebrate the day by looking around for puddles to step in and then use them to splash a friend. This may best be done by inviting a friend out for a walk and leading them as near to a puddle as possible and then quickly stepping in it and splashing them. Did you get that down? Cindy, you got that? Okay. Now, some warnings, perhaps. Number one, it makes sense to wear boots so you don't get the brunt of the splash. Two, make sure you're splashing friends and not strangers on the street. They write, because strangers may not think celebrating such a holiday is quite so funny. And finally, if you can't find any puddles, invite your friend to an indoor water park and splash them there. Wow, that is a real thing. Strange. So tomorrow, splash your friends But really, I want to spend just a couple of minutes this morning talking about the rest of the year. I want something to be splashed over you this year. Uh, Our theme, as we've kind of wrestled and prayed about it as a staff, our our theme for the year is the theme of identity. Who are we, really? What makes us who we are? I don't know, as you've watched the news, as you've engaged with life over the last year, but, but identity seems to have been so muddied so quickly in so many different ways and, and, and so many new things and changes coming in so many directions. Racial identity throughout the year has been challenged and there's bigots, uh, bigotry and there's, there's uh, challenges, protests. Sexual identity is a cloudy thing. Gender identity has, has shaken up our community, shaken up our vocabulary. Political identity, especially this week, has dominated in a lot of different ways. I think we need to be splashed with our spiritual identity in Jesus. And to be reminded of what we have in him, he said as much in John chapter 7, verse 38. He said, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water 
will flow from within them. The word for flow there, the Greek term is reo. It's only used here in the New Testament, and literally it means the movement of liquid in some direction. Can I translate it this morning as a splash? Jesus wants to splash His Spirit on us, within us, and through us into the community we have at hand. So I hope that the Spirit will splash some truth into our souls, into our lives this year. Now, we've talked, we've Uh, from our our leadership's perspective as we think about our church family in this coming year, here are some things we want to emphasize together as a church family this year. One of those things is biblical literacy, knowing the Scriptures and learning them anew, growing in our our understanding of the Scriptures. We will uh, begin today, you'll hear in a few minutes from Brandon, um, some reading through the book of Ephesians this week. Just a tiny little splash in a small little book, but maybe for you it's well, the Bible's gotten real dusty. It needs to be washed off again. Maybe it's uh, hard to pick up a scripture and, and start somewhere new. We just want to start because this book has a lot to tell us about who we are. Uh, we also have a lot of uh, emphasis um, in uh, building our identity together as a church family this year. So we have uh, a number of sermon series planned for the year. Uh, here in a couple of weeks, we're going to start looking at Genesis 1 through 3 and talk about our created identity that we have, that God has created us to be mirrored in the image of God. We're going to look at a couple of spiritual practices this year. Uh, fasting for one sermon series as we talk about attacking the kind of false identities that we've been labeled with or that we've accepted Uh, Also, discovering our our calling, our personality, living out of the identity God has created in us. Uh, I've got a series this spring where we're going to look at our identity as uh, as servants and protectors of the weak. What does it mean for us to be a church family that's concerned about the poor and those in need? Uh, This summer, we're going to look at Isaiah 40 through 55, where we're going to explore what it's like to live after a massive disappointment. Life and identity affected by trauma and hard things. And then uh, this fall, our plan is to look at First and Second Corinthians and our life, our identity as a new creation in Jesus Christ. We also, throughout this year, we want to emphasize prayer. Prayer together. I mean, to love God. If 2020 taught us nothing, it's that, man, we need to come humbly before this God and to seek His direction and to seek his help. And we want to do that together. We're going to try to create opportunities for that and, and service and out of service with our elders, with our staff, with all. And then, of course, we want to keep an emphasis on caring for our community, on loving our neighbors and serving those around us, building bridges of compassion for people uh, in this community uh, in this next year is, is key for us, both here locally and around the world. We, we've got a number of plans. We're excited about them. But here's the truth. We don't know what's coming up in front of us. But we do know who is beside us, who is with us. Christ is present, splashing us with his spirit and with his joy. And we we can't wait to to see the expression of his life in and through us. I mean, the truth is, church, I think think we just, I think we need to tell a better story than what we're hearing circulating so often around us. You don't need my commentary on what you saw this week happening in Washington, D.C. You don't need more conversation probably on 
the challenges that you've seen on your TV screen, not just over the last few days, but over the last several months and, and year. The, the, the fires and the, the smoke, the anger and the division and the... Just, there's, just, there's just so many bad stories circulating all around us, stories that are half-truths and lies and conspiracy theories and so many other things just circulating. We need to be a people who tell a better story. A story better than anger and violence and division and hate and us versus them. We need to tell a better story. So this morning, as we look towards this communion meal together, I want to just read an ancient summary of a better story. This one's found in 1 Corinthians 15, and if you brought a Bible and want to follow along, I'm going to be in verses 1 through 8 to begin. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, gospel, the, the good news, the better story, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. We have a king who humbly sacrificed himself for us that he was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. And then verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. This is a story of hope in the midst of death, light in the midst of darkness. But each in turn, Paul writes, verse 23, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says everything has been put under him, it is clear this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. Let that better story wash over you. And as we come to this meal, let me invite you just to grab the little cup with the elements in it. I hope a, a splash of this little meal will just pour over your souls this morning. If you wouldn't mind, take a, the bread and let's take it together. This is the body of Jesus broken for us. And now for the juice, a symbol of the blood of Jesus spilled for us. Paul concludes in 1 Corinthians by saying the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? 
It's a dark place, Father, that we sometimes feel that we're in, whether it's in our homes, locked away, whether it's watching the news, whether it's experiencing it in our workplaces or in our own relationships. God, we need you. We long for you. We ask you to provide light in the midst of the challenging circumstances we find ourselves in. God, we pray that this would be a year that you would do amazing things in our midst, and we, we just ask for you to do it. Unleash your spirit to wash over us and for your gospel to wash over this nation and this world. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, yeah, now I'm supposed to follow Brooks's sermon, which was incredible, and then Hope and Jacob singing a new song that we wrote together. So what what could I possibly say? Except let's stand and hear the word of the Lord together. I'm going to read from Psalm 34. I'm going to be quick with my thoughts and my words this morning. Beginning in verse 8, chapter 34, verse 8. Taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his, you, his holy people. Fear those who fear... <laughs> I can't see now, I'm crying. Sorry. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil. And your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Father, your word stands supreme. Millennia has gone by, and still it is as truthful as it was the day it was written. Father, help those today who have never tasted of your goodness come to know it. That all those who know only the bitterness of human life without you can come and taste the sweetness of life in your spirit. It's through your spirit and the Son that we pray and we've gathered today. Amen. You may be seated. Whew, sorry. Sometimes the word still gets me. You might find that you had a, have a tiny little spoon. Did anybody sit on yours and break it on accident? Hold up your spoon if you've got it to there. You know, we thought in this COVID world, the best thing we could do is all do some taste testing today. So I gave you a little, no, this was not your Lord, Lord's Supper helper. Although it does kind of like fit perfectly in there, doesn't it? When I was a kid, uh, my dad would take me on a trip pretty much every year. We'd end up in the spring down in the Ozarks uh, where our family farm is. And on the way there or on the way back, we would stop every year at a uh, place in Jefferson City, Missouri called Central Dairy. Does anybody know Central Dairy? Yeah, there's a few of you out there. Um, it is a, it, you know, they do milk. They, it's a dairy place, right? Like they do tons of stuff. But at their headquarters there in downtown Jefferson City is a ice cream shop. Like the old style 1930s, like 
pull in, find a seat up at the giant counter, and there before you are just barrels, I don't know how else to describe them, barrels upon barrels of ice cream, one after another. Anybody else want to just go get in the car right now and we'll head that way together? But when I was a teenager, it was terrible because my dad loves ice cream. I like ice cream. I love ice cream. When you've been around somebody who loves ice cream, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, but my dad loved ice cream. And when he went to Central Daria, that was a, a memory of his childhood. He grew up down there, but also it was like this moment of just glee and bliss for him. And they gave away free samples, unlimited free samples. And as a teenager, it was horrifying for me because my dad would get one of these little, this was, I'm going to show you, this was a long time ago, one of these little spoons, and that was in the day where they just kind of used the, right, give you the sample, tiny little on a spoon. And he would say, I, I want to try the uh, uh, salted caramel. And they dip out some salted caramel. Oh, okay, yeah, that, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Uh, let's try that Ozark black walnut. And they'd try one of the Ozark black walnut. And then he would try, and it, it would go on forever. I mean, the only one he refused to ever try was my brother's favorite, bubble gum. And besides that, every single flavor in there, by the time he had ordered ice cream, I didn't even, and it, I was just so terrified while he was doing that, right? Because I was like, come on, Dad, this is so embarrassing. There's people waiting in line. But I remember now as I get older and I think about that time, I think about the joy on his face at every new flavor that he tried. He just wanted to taste and see if it was good. The psalmist encourages us, taste and see. This week, I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. We're going we're gonna to do a, a scripture reading plan. And it's very, I, in my life, I can't remember doing one like this. There's no um, new app that you need to download. You will not find in a bulletin or on your connection card any spot there where you will find the reading list, okay? There's no curriculum that we're going to send out, no detailed plan, no series of videos that's going to correspond to it. I simply believe that the power of the Word of God, and we as a church believe this, is the same as it was in the time that Word was written, Okay? And we would like to, you as a church, us as a church, to simply read through the letter of Ephesians. Brooks read from Paul a little bit ago. Paul writes this letter to Ephesus. And all this is as simple as this. We want you to read one chapter per day. So, so what's the plan? One chapter per day. Let's start tomorrow as a church. So on Tuesday, what chapter should we read? All right, and on Thursday, and next Sunday, oh, how many chapters are in Ephesians? You better scramble and look. But I, I want to encourage this especially. If you've never practiced daily scripture reading, I want to say a few things. It will not take you long to read one chapter. I would encourage you to do it kind of first thing in the morning. If you're a coffee drinker, sit down with your coffee and just read the word. But any time throughout the day is fine. If it's on your lunch break or in the evening, I just want you to taste and see. And if you've never done this before, it can be very overwhelming because your first question has to be, where is Ephesians? How do I get to it? Okay? And I, I just... I want to encourage two things. One, I don't want you to do this on your phone 
or your tablet device of any kind. All right, I, I appreciate the word on the tablet, on the phones. I use it all the time. But this morning, this very morning, when I sat down for my morning devotional time, I first, I went to bed before the end of the, uh, was it the Buccaneers and who are they playing? The Washington football team last night. And I want to see if that young kid ended up beating Tom Brady. Did anybody watch that game last night? But I fell asleep before. So before I started my scripture reading, I picked up my phone to check my ESPN app to see who had won. And guess what? 25 minutes later, guess where I still was? That's right. Still on that phone. And I had yet to be in the Word of God. There's just too many distractions. There's just too many distractions when you pick up the devices. So I want you to find in your house whatever version you might have. Find one that you love. We're going to start on Monday. The student ministry here at the church is going to do the same thing. But they're going to start on Wednesday, kicking off one chapter a day, okay? And if you have this form of Scripture, then what you'll find is in the first opening pages, you'll find simply a table of contents. And you can find Ephesians written there, and it will tell you a page number, and you just scroll through and find that page number. So you say, Brandon, there's lots of ways that we can taste and see that the Lord is good. Why should it be Scripture? Why should that be the one that we choose? The other night, I put my daughter to bed, and about 30 minutes after she was supposed to be asleep, I heard her call my name, Dad, 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 and I I came upstairs, and she was laying in bed. She had a bazillion covers on top of her and stuffed animals that she got for Christmas all around her. And she said, Dad, I just can't sleep. I'm not tired. I said, Honey, everybody in the house is asleep. Everybody's sleeping. It's, it's time for you to be to, to sleep. Let me tuck you in. I, I said, Try, I don't know, just try and count as high as you can. Wonderful dad advice, right? And, and then you'll go to sleep. And I leaned in to kiss her forehead to say goodnight. And as I did, she said, Dad, your breath smells like popcorn. <laughs> and she had nailed me. Sure enough, downstairs waiting for me was a big bowl of hot buttered popcorn. And I had tasted of the first fruits of that popcorn in the last episode of the new season of Mandalorian. And I was so excited that I was going to sit down with no kids and watch this. And here was Maddie still awake, right? But she knew what my breath smelled like. That's a weird analogy. In 2 Timothy, Paul, who writes Ephesians, writes to his kind of like young son in the faith called Timothy. And he says this in verse 16, all scripture is God breathed. The word here is theonomaticos. Theos means God and pneumos, okay, is like pneumatic drill. Anybody have a pneumatic drill? It means breath or air. It's the word we use for spirit, the spirit of the living God. And so when Paul describes scripture, he describes it as God breathed. If you want to smell, you want to taste, you want to experience what God is like, you have to know his breath. It's the same concept, the same breath that God breathes into the inanimate clay that is Adam and gives him life. And it's the same breath, the same spirit that God pours into the inanimate clay that is the dead Jesus and brings him back from the grave. 
And Paul contends Scripture is full of that breath. Wouldn't you just come and at least taste and see with us this week? Let's pray together. God, I just ask um, ask for people that are hurting today, people that are broken, people that wherever we're at in our, our walk of faith, whether we've been in church and been a part of church for 40 years or, or we're just starting on that journey or maybe we're just um, don't know where we're at, but we know that what we're doing isn't working. It's just not working any longer, Father. And we need a new day. We need a new dawn. Father, I ask um, just for the small step that you'll, you'll push and you'll inspire and you'll help just tomorrow morning that Bibles that haven't been opened in a long time will be opened again and find your word. We give you all praise and glory. It's through your spirit and the son we've gathered. Amen.